I was standing in the wings behind the piano when Duke Ellington first played Creole Love Call. I started humming along with the band and he stopped the number and came over to me and said, that's just what I needed. That's what I'm looking for. Can you do it again? I said, I can't because I don't know what I was doing. He begged me to try. Anyway, I did and sang this counter melody and he was delighted and said, Addie, you're going to record this with the band. A couple of days later, I did. What's up, everybody? This is Lamarosh, the Queen Dawn from Across the Pond with part two of Ms. Adelaide Hall. Ms. Adelaide Hall was doing her things in the early 1900s and continued doing her thing as a performer, a dancer, a choreographer, singer, jazz singer, you hear me? And uh, she did all of this for a very long time. In fact, Ms. Adelaide Hall is in the Guinness Book of World Records. In 2003, she was the world's most endured recording artist and released material over eight consecutive decades. So we gonna shout out Miss Adelaide Hall because most people don't know about Miss Adelaide Hall. I didn't know to the extent of her career because a lot of times other names are brought up and are featured in our history books. And um, I just want to shed some light on Miss Adelaide Hall. This is part two of my episode about Adelaide. Y'all, I want y'all to come on back. This is Lamrosh. Hey, everybody, this is Lamrosh, the Queen Dawn from across the pond. Right now, you are locked on to Jazz E Lounge, the podcast. Yes, this is part two. We're going to feature Adelaide Hall in two segments, y'all. This woman's career spanned over eight decades. That's 80 years of performing, and we just could not put everything into one episode. So I decided I wanted to put out part one because it was just so interesting. And if I would have know try to do everything at once you wouldn't have not received the information you did about Miss Adelaide and her early career so I'm back with part two it's actually November it's already November 2022 um and we're just rolling along you know um so much has been going on the time went back say they like savings time is amongst us right now we're just trying to keep up with everything before these holidays get going but it's all about Adelaide Hall today. Listen, right before that break, I talked about her 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 performance that really uh, captured what Duke Ellington wanted for his song Creole Love Call. You understand me? And actually, Creole Love Call and the blues I love to sing. Um, did not have any vocals at the time, and it was performed by Duke Ellington and his orchestra. And um, Hall actually recorded with Duke Ellington on, for Oki Records. It was OK Records, O-K-E-H, OK Records, okay? And um, the songs that they performed was Chicago Stump Down, for example. But Love Call, Creole Love Call, became a worldwide hit and catapulted both Hall and Ellington's career in the mainstream. So I just wanted to shout out again, briefly, um, her 
relationship with Duke Ellington and his orchestra and how that man's music, you know, we still know Duke Ellington. We don't know too much about Adelaide, but Duke Ellington's music, we still know today, to this day, so many different hits. But Adelaide recorded with him, and uh, those recordings pretty much, you know, took them to the next level and mainstream. So, listen, it's all about Adelaide Hall. And I want to make sure that you understand that I cannot give you all the details of this woman's life. I'm just highlighting things that are they're very interesting to me. <laughs> Which takes me to some of my notes today. Listen, we're going to jump on to 1933 now. In 1933, there was a Chicago World Fair. Chicago's World Fair, for at that time, was uh, the theme was called Century of Progress. Okay, so in 1920, sorry, 1933, the Bud Billiken Parade and Picnic was held during the Chicago World Fair. Now, quickly, the history of the Bud Billiken Parade, it started in 1929, and to this date, it is the largest African-American parade in America. So that means in the world. Okay, the largest African-American parade and picnic is called the Bud Billiken Parade. And it was a fictitious character. It was um, put together by the Chicago Defenders. um, I want to say the the owner, the the founder of the Chicago Defender. And um, didn't write his name down, but I'm going to holler at you on that when I come back. But this particular parade was to highlight the accomplishments of African-Americans at the top of 1900s, really, just like everywhere else, like in New York, uh, in particular, in Harlem, Chicago was that city also that featured and and highlighted African-American wealth, uh, achievements, accomplishments. Uh, Many people during the late 1800s, when the historic black colleges were being built, Black people were educated. There were a lot of school teachers and people who left the South from those schools went to places like Chicago and New York. So that's really the start of this renaissance. It was in the early 1900s. And the Bud Billiken Parade was held during this World Fair. And I'm telling you, I, I could just imagine, they said over 50,000 people were at the picnic after the parade. And that's when Adelaide actually performed. She was like the main attraction for the parade that year. So again, we love in Adelaide Hall. She was just featured all over the place and uh, all throughout America. Everybody knew her as well as Europe and overseas. So when I come back, I'm going to talk about another highlight from 1933. Something I didn't know is real deep. We're going to get deeper and deeper with Miss Adelaide Hall. I'm loving her, y'all. Come on back. This is Lamrush. This is Lamarosh, the Queen Dawn from across the pond. This is Jazz E Lounge, the podcast. And we are going strong, talking about Miss Adelaide Hall. And right before the break, I mentioned the Chicago World's Fair. And the year that the theme was the Century of Progress, Adelaide Hall was the featured performer for the Bud Billiken Parade, and that was in 1933. Now, the Bud Billiken Parade was founded by, and 
brother not by the name of Robert S. Abbott. He was a lawyer, okay, a newspaper publisher and editor. But his baby, his newspaper was the Chicago Defender newspaper. And that was started in 1905. Dig that. So we're going to shout out Robert S. Abbott as well for, you know, making a lot of things happen for African-Americans in Chicago in particular. Okay, so cool. That's what's happening. Robert S. Abbott, he was the man who had founded the Chicago Defender and the Bud Billiken Day Parade in which Adelaide Hall was featured in 1933. Some other things jumped off in 1933. Adelaide was just a busy, busy woman. She was in high demand. Everything she touched was just turning into gold for everybody, you know what I mean? Especially uh, the songwriters. And, and there was just not African-American songwriters alone. She would not have been able to blow up if it was just exclusive. During this time, we're talking about racism was just prevalent. It was in your face. It was out the box. It was not contained. And it's not contained now in 2022. But it was, it was, just, it was flat out, I'm going to say, worse than it is now. And, and, and I mean, and it's not even really gotten any better. I kind of, kind of sad that I have to say that, but we're talking about 1933, Adelaide Hall. It's lynchings going on in America. It's segregation going on in America. Black people couldn't ride the bus where they wanted to, couldn't get on ships and do what they want to do. And definitely in America, let me get back to America. Stores were segregated, banks, restaurants, schools, everything was segregated. But one thing was for sure. These black performers and dancers and songwriters and choreographers were blowing up, but they still, they still face racism. They still face several things because it is what it was. It was, it was based on race that, and we're talking about, we was only a generation away from slavery during the top of the 1900s and black people were just doing their thing. They wanted to be free and they expressed themselves. So uh, there were all these reviews and stage floor shows in which they called them at these cabarets during that time where black people were showcased. Black people were showcased as dancers and singers and performers. But what was also showcased is new songs and new dances, uh, fashion, and food, we we kind of forget about that. So imagine you going to these cabarets and in the places like the Cotton Club, for example, <clears throat> to see these performance performances, and you know they were selling food. You you know they were selling food, all kind of food. We're not even gonna go and explain what was probably being served at these clubs, but they were also a place. It was a country club. It was a place for everything going down. So there was a review out in 1933, and it was called the Stormy Weather Review. It was actually a floor review for Harlem's Cotton Club. And eventually, this this tour of the Stormy Weather Review went on tour. But the origins of the review uh, was from the Cotton Club Parade of 1933. Okay, so it was another review called the Cotton Club Parade of 1933. But the name was changed to um, the Stormy Weather Review because it included a hit song called Stormy Weather, which was written by Harold Arian and Ted Collier. Um, The film, let me know, didn't even come out to 10 years later in 1943. So for 10 years, this floor review which was called the Stormy Weather Review, um, traveled all across the country 
and it was very popular. You know what I'm saying? In 1934, Hall opened at Harlem's Cotton Club, which at that time in this particular review was the largest grossing show ever staged. And it ran for six months, okay? These shows ran for six months. And it was the first time that any show had featured this nitrogen smoke that covered the floor. So think about a smoke machine. So they used this nitrogen smoke in 1934 at one of these reviews, okay? <laughs> and of course, you know, this is the first time it was being used, and this caused a sensation, uh, naturally it did. And it, it just blew up. They just was traveling and got their little smoke machines, and they got all these sexy, sexy, sexy brown skin legs popping all around and singers and all in beautiful gowns. I mean, it was just going down. So that's why I'm not looking at artists today. They are just the new versions of what was already created. Nothing's new under the sun right now. So that was a cool note that this um, stormy weather, all we knew was the movie, but the stormy weather review was first. And it was a stage show. It was a, a, it was a floor show. They call it floor shows. And it's because when you would go to these shows and at the cabaret and at the clubs, these women would come out dancing in, in unison and they had on high heels and showing their legs and all of them, everybody was beautiful, hair was together and it was just amazing. It was amazing. People who choreographed these shows, uh, the, who developed the, the, the concept of the shows, featured new music and they also had these orchestras that were playing along. So you're talking about live performance over a hundred years ago that featured black people not only across America, but across the globe. And this, in 19, I'm going to move back on, because Miss Adelaide was performing all throughout Europe. She was performing in Germany and London and Paris uh, and Stockholm and, and, and all kinds of places, Russia, everywhere. But in 1935, Hall and her husband, Bert, they arrived in Paris. You know, they were treated and greeted all nicely. And baby, he opened up a nightclub for Adelaide. Okay, your, your husband, he gonna open up a nightclub for you. That's what kind of husband I'm talking about. I'm, I'm trying to get with. <laughs> Somebody gonna open up a nightclub for me in Paris. Well, I might have to go to Paris and make that happen. <laughs> Miss Adelaide's husband, Bert, he opened up a nightclub for Adelaide. And it was located in 73 Rue Pigaye and Montmartre, and it was called Le Grosse Pomme, and I got to figure out what that meant, but she introduced several new dances to the Parisians. She sang with several orchestras and even was highlighted on BBC Radio as she performed with all these Parisian orchestras. So she, this is a 1935, (laughs) y'all. You go back to America at the same year, Oh, man, you're seeing Ku Klux Klan mobs pull people out of their homes and string them up by the neck and hang them. You're seeing little kids just tortured out in fields, minding their business. You're seeing white people spit on black people as they walking across the road. You're seeing all kind of segregation and, and lack of resources for black people all throughout America. This is going down. And at the same time in France, Adelaide Hall in particular, Josephine Baker definitely 
and other people who traveled to all the jazz artists, Duke Ellington, Fats Waller, uh, Bill Bojangles. It's just on and on and on. They were experiencing something new, something free. And a lot of these artists, they end up staying in, in England, in, the, in Europe, and in Paris. And, um, you know, you just have to think about it. Where are you free? Where do you feel like you should be? And uh, that was that was deep when I started reading about these accolades for Adelaide. So when I come back, I'm going to talk a little bit more about her European uh, career and life. This is LaRoche. This is exciting. I'm, I'm like, I might want to go to Paris myself like within the next few months. See what I can come up with. You understand me? This is LaRoche. Let's go. First of all, I want to shout out Adelaide Hall's husband, Mr. Bertram Hicks. They were married in 1924. Bertram was a, a sailor, and he was from Trinidad and Tobago. So you know he was fine, right? <laughs> Adelaide checked out Mr. Bertram Hicks, Bert as she called him. And baby, in 1924, not only were they married, but Bert opened up his first club in Harlem called the Big Apple and officially became Adelaide's manager until his death in 1963. So I'm going to shout out Bertram Hicks, his vision. Uh, being from Trinidad and Tobago, he probably fell all on top of Adelaide when he saw her. And when she saw him, I'm sure, with his fine little self from Trinidad and Tobago with the little accent, phew, it was on and popping. Plus, he was a sailor. Oh, my God. You know, his, he was tight all the way. So, shout out to Bertram because when they got married, he, he opened up a club in Harlem. And then eventually... They moved to Paris, and he opens up a club for her in Paris in the famous Montmartre area where all the, the jazz music was featured and art was, was featured. All the French artists, um, poets, and everybody just hung out in, in Paris during the, the early years of our 20th century, the 20th century. Now listen, while they were in Paris, you know, they had this nightclub and the club which we were talking about earlier um la grosse pomme uh it actually held about 200 people and inside of the club was this dramatic entrance coming down a spiral staircase from the attic and hall would come down those stairs maybe with these gowns on and all kind of feathers floating feathers as they called it uh, and during that review, you know, she was just, she was just wooing everybody. I, mean, I can imagine being in Paris and you got all these fabulous gowns that people were making for you and you were highlighting them alongside this new music that no one had heard before, but they knew it was coming from America. They knew it was coming from black America in the Harlem Renaissance. So it was received um, with grace and it was received with pleasure and it was part of the avant-garde. You know, Bert hired this band. It was a house band that he hired. And they were called the Quintet du Hot Club de France. <laughs> yes, and in at 1936, Hall had starred in the Black and White Review using this, this house band. The show had 50 performers, okay? And they opened up in Paris, France. 
And that was in February. And, and then the production, it, it ended up traveling to Switzerland for a tour. The review, which was called the Black and White Review, was produced by Ralph Clayton. Okay, and it, it had a whole lot of choreography and music. Um, the dances uh, were under the direction of Diaghileve in the Russian company of the Ballet Russes, which I, I know that name. I know that from studying ballet and dance. But this orchestra that traveled with the production was under the direction of Henry Crowder. And during the August 1936 Summer Olympics held in Berlin, Germany, check this out, Hall appeared at Berlin's Rex Theater singing jazz. I also want to note that her performance is really notable because for her, it, it contravened Adolf Hitler's band on jazz that was also being played. And you know, that was those particular Olympics, 1936 Summer Olympics, a lot was going on. We're talking about Jesse Owens was performing in Berlin alongside Miss Adelaide Hall, who was this dynamic performer from America. And they're all over in Europe doing their thing, making uh, waves and history. So you know Adolf Hitler wasn't feeling none of that. I'm about to look up his band on his band on jazz music being played. Adolf Hitler didn't even want this dog on jazz music being played. You understand me? He was he was definitely a racist. We know that. But he was also banning music. Isn't that something? <laughs> so in 1937, Hall choreographed her own take on the famous French dance called the Can Can. She called it the Cant Apple and would perform it at the Montmartre nightclub La Grosse Pomme. Hall is also credited with introducing another dance to the Parisians called the Trucking Dance. <laughs> yes, during her time in Europe, oh my goodness, Miss Hall was just performing all over the place. And um, she had another move to England. And this was her British career. Now, the first part was like the European career because she was in Germany as well as in Paris. But she also went over to the United Kingdom, the UK, London, England, and she had an extensive career over there. Um, listen, she moved to London, England. She wasn't just performing there. She moved. She didn't. She lived in Paris, but she actually moved to London in 1938. So after many years performing in U.S. and Europe, Hall went to the United Kingdom in 1938 to take a starring role in the stage-adapted musical version of Edgar Wallace's The Sun Never Sets. And that opened up at the Theater Royale in Jury Lane. And you know what? And I've been to London, England five times, okay? I'm going to say several times. Five times to be exact. Five times I went to London, England. The very first time I went to London, England, I ran across all these uh, black British people that were from the Caribbean and um, they were the black British people. They were the Caribbeans, but Africans were also there. They were not the considered black British. They were African. Those from the Caribbean, those who were um, brought over from America to the Caribbean during the slave trade, they were under British rule and they became these British black people. So uh, Adelaide was um, 
you know, performing in London since 1938 with her move. So when I think about some of these theaters that are coming up with the, the performances, I'm like, man, I did. I went to that studio. I know where that is. I know where that theater is. And I'm going to have to go back and revisit all of these places that these famous black people performed at uh, during the early 1900s. So I'm going to take another little break, come back and talk a little bit more about Miss Hall's British career that lasted from 1938 until her death in 1993. This lady was in London, England. I don't even know Adelaide was in London, England when I was there. I would have went to her place where she lived, where she performed, and documented that. You know what? This whole Adelaide Hall adventure I've been on has just been one big uh, dissertation. You feel me? And I hope you are encouraged to keep learning more about this woman. So I'm going to take another break. I'm going to come back and I'm going to wrap up this whole career with Miss Adelaide Hall. May she rest in peace. Come on back. This is Lamrosh, the Queen Dawn from across the pond. You are listening to Jazz E Lounge, the podcast. Today is all about Adelaide Hall. And this is the part two episode because this lady's, this woman, this diva, she has had an extensive career that lasted over eight consecutive decades. That's 80 years of performing, okay, and singing and recording. You know, so we shouting her out all day long. So now Miss Adelaide, she done left America. She she done did her thing all throughout America, experienced her situations in uh, in New York when she and her husband bought a beautiful home in um, in New York area. I'm gonna put it like that. Um, they she she faced discrimination. They wanted her to get out of the neighborhood, and they, even though she had money to be there with the white people, they didn't want her and Bert with his little. Caribbean self hanging out. So eventually she moved, you know, so she don't have to deal with you. I'm about to go make some money. Not only some money, I'm about to make some pounds, okay? I'm about to make some other kind of uh, dollars because it's going to make sense to me to be up out of America. So that's what she did. Um, in fact, check this out. Woo. On August 28th, 1938, Paul recorded. She in London now. She recorded I can't give you anything but love and that old feeling. And this was recorded at the Abbey Road Studios. And guess who was accompanying her on organ, y'all? Fats Waller. So this 1938, her and Fats Waller over in London's Abbey Road Studios. Can you imagine that? And they're recording music, okay? The recordings were released on HMV Records. On the September 10th of the same year, Miss Hall appeared and broadcast to America with Waller at London's St. George's Hall in the live transatlantic radio broadcast. So imagine if you were in America, Excuse me, and you and you just and you knew I'm talking about these people who put her out of the community she was bought her house in. And you a white person and you think you all that and you elite and you got a little money. All of a sudden you hearing this woman's voice come off the radio live from London. You like, uh, 
hater. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So they was all probably listening to her like, I can't believe we just we're just this trivial. We're this racist, and we only want this woman who's world renowned living next to us. Isn't that something? <laughs> that is funny to me. On 25th of February, 1939, BBC again, their TV broadcast of Harlem in Mayfair from Hall's London nightclub called the Old Florida Club. So Adelaide Hall was not only a singer, performer, choreographer, she was a nightclub owner. She was a businesswoman. Okay, so she got clubs in London, had clubs in Paris. I'm thinking to myself, I need to step my game up. Because I don't have a club nowhere. And I need to step my game all the way up. Because if you can have a club in 1938 with all this other kind of carrying on, what's going on now? I think we should know the answer to that. That's competition. Who wants to be competing with uh, with us? Nobody. They try to control everything. But I'm going to step my game up because I'm, I'm getting very excited and pumped up. And, and I'm so encouraged now to start this club I want to start. So... Her London nightclub, the old Florida club, is where we are now in 1939. And the BBC have broadcasted a Harlem in Mayfair. Okay. So the cabaret show star Hall also on the bill were Esther and Louise, Eddie Lewis, Fila Sawanda with his Negro choir and orchestra. So I'm going to keep moving because there's a lot going on. Uh, during that year, but the, I'm moving on now to October 1939. <sighs> Miss Adelaide Hall, we love you, honey. It was October 17th. Miss Hall starred in one of the most sensational live radio broadcasts ever attempted by the BBC to hit the airwaves. It took place at the RAF Hendon base in North London in front of a specially invited audience okay it was the first large-scale variety concert organized by the ensa the whole show was relayed worldwide across the airwaves the first time a live show had ever been broadcast by the bbc around the globe on the bill was adelaide hall her accompanist at that time fila sawande Mantovani and his orchestra. Now, this is this lady making history with the BBC. Their very first broadcast live around the globe included a black woman from America. <laughs> you understand what I'm talking about? This is this is blowing me away. Her her presence was so grand that it was felt all over the globe. The BBC in particular wanted to showcase this beautiful black woman, and they were making history. Yes, they were. Shout out to BBC. I'm about to shout you out, BBC. Y'all was making moves, and it, it made moves so fast that even uh, 20, 30 years later, when uh, Motown Review, shout out to Motown Review, they were able to go to London and uh, and perform basically because of the shoulders of these giants that paved the way. You know, listen, I'm, it's so much to talk about with this woman. I'm telling you, it's a dissertation. I think I'm going to find a few more details that I want to talk about. And I'm going to wrap this, this whole episode up. It's just amazing. Um, oh, my God. I think I must do one or two more minutes with this, and then I'm going to come back and wrap the whole thing up. In early 1950s, 
Hall and her husband Bert opened the Calypso Club in London on Regent Street and royalty flocked there of course. It was reported in the press that Princess Elizabeth was a frequent visitor and that Hall had taught the princess the Charleston. Okay, she appeared in um, a run of Kiss Me Kate, playing the role of Hattie singing Cole Porter's Another Opinion, Another Show. And in the 1952 London musical Love from Judy, at the Seville Theater, playing the role of Butterfly singing A Touch of Voodoo. You know, she had, I'm telling you, this lady had nightclubs. I can't believe this lady had nightclubs all over the place. 1950, she again, BBC TV music show, The Music Goes Round, hosted by John Watt. The show was an NBA TV version of the radio show, songs from the shows. You know, between 69 and 70, Hall made some jazz recordings with Humphrey Littleton. Um, by 1980, Hall returned to the U.S. and from uh, May 1st to the 24th, she appeared in the cast of Black Broadway, a retrospective music review at the Town Hall in New York. Um, the, oh, goodness. Among the other artists appearing in the show were Elizabeth Welch, Gregory Hines, Bobby Short, Honey Cole. We said Gregory Hines. Yes, I did, because now we're moving into the 1980s. <laughs> the show originally was staged at the Newport Jazz Fest in 1979 before it was reassembled in 80 at the stage and staged at Town Hall. Wow, 1980. She is still performing. Oh my God. 1983, Hall commenced a month long engagement at the Cookery in New York. She also appeared back on British TV. The Cotton Club Comes to the Ritz, a 60 minute BBC documentary we can still check out today. And my goodness, by 1990, Hall starred in Sophisticated Lady, a Channel 4 television documentary about her life broadcast. Okay, so that was in live at the Riverside Studios in London. Adelaide Hall passed away in the early hours of November 7th, which is tomorrow, 1993, age 92, at London's Charing Cross Hospital of Natural Cause. Tomorrow, I can't believe it. Today is November 6th. Tomorrow marks the anniversary of her death. Oh my goodness, she has had a enormous and extensive career. I encourage each and every one of you to check her out. Check out her videos, her songs, her, her, her documentaries, everything. Adelaide Hall's grave at Cemetery of the Evergreens in Brooklyn, New York. But she passed away in London, England. Um, y'all, this has been Lamrosh. It's been a, a, a really uh, inspirational show, this episode of Adelaide Hall. Uh, may she rest in peace. And we're going to continue to uplift her name for future references and future generations to come. Yo, this is Lamrosh saying ciao for now.